0: Luke 1. And uh, I thought about this. We all love a good story. I don't know about you, but I like a good story. Uh, the, pre- the adjective good is important there. <laughs> uh, every story is not a good story. Uh, but I like a good story. A-, a good story has a beginning, has a middle, and an end. You ever heard somebody tell a story and you thought, where, where are we at in the story? I don't know if we're at the beginning, the middle, or the end. Uh, or where we're at, but a good story has a beginning, a middle, an end. It's got a plot, and that plot will keep that reader or that that lit, if uh, the hearer, if it's a oral story, that plot's going to keep that person engaged. Uh, that person is going to uh, is is going to be listening or reading for that that conflict and where's the conflict of the story and, and how do we get from the conflict to the resol- the resolution? But you know what really makes a story is the characters. The characters in the story is what really gives life to the plot. You ever been reading a story or hearing a story being read? And, and, you, and you just felt like you knew the characters. Now, uh, we listen to a lot of Adventures in Odyssey, and I'm not just absolutely putting my endorsement on it, but I promise it's a whole lot better than most of the trash that's on television. Uh, but we listened to Adventures in Odyssey, and uh, we like that, that, that radio series, and, and we listen to the stories. And there's a, there's a young man in the, in the stories that shows up on the scene named Buck Oliver. Buck Oliver is a, a character that comes out of a rough life, comes out of a rough past, and uh, and you kind of see the transformation of Buck's life, but it's not, it's, if you listen to it sporadically, you don't hear the story in a full detail. Not long ago, I found where the album, there was an album where you could follow the whole story of Buck, Buck Oliver, and I thought, man, I, I like Buck. And when we listen to those stories, uh, me and the kids, we, I get into it. I, I, I want to know what's happening next. Or, or, or me, and, me and the kids will say something like this as it goes off. Oh, you can't go off yet, right? No, no, you can't leave us there. As we're listening to the story being told to us and narrated to us. And Oh, that can't be all. And so i, I would get involved with those characters. Those characters make the story. And that's who we connect with. Sometimes the characters who you remember long after the story's told. And it's amazing if you know people who read or listen to stories or, and of course this goes for for maybe uh, movies and shows and stuff like that too. It's amazing who connects with what character, right? There's sometimes the main character there and you think everybody connects with them, but but sometimes it's it's not. You you know, like Andy Griffith's show. And I'm not making endorsements for stuff right now, but y'all on show and say Andy Griffith's show would not be the same without Barney Fife. But it's not called the Barney Fife show. But can you imagine? I can't imagine an episode without Barney, much less a whole season without Barney being involved. But they don't call it the Barney Fife show. It's called the Andy Griffith show. That's what it's called. And so, so nonetheless, the characters of the story, that's what makes the story. And there's no other time of the year where the celebration of a whole season dramatically fills the air like Christmas time. Now, y'all know. Y'all know, and if you don't know, you're going to get to know I am a Grinch. I don't care nothing about all this stuff that goes on. Uh, There's many things that that I don't like. There's many things I just don't care nothing about. It don't thrill me. Now, I like y'all getting me gifts, and I'm okay, and, and I'm all right with that. I, I like getting y'all gifts. I really do. I like getting people gifts. I like the lights. I just ain't hanging them on my house. Right? Uh, my wife will have to hire somebody, I guess, and she'll have to get them real, real, real cheap because I ain't giving her no money to do it. I, 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 you know, decorate your house up, and we'll drive by and look at them. All right? That's, I mean, me and Maggie was coming home last night. And I said, hey, Maggie, look at all them lights. They're pretty. But we ain't doing it to ours. And uh, I, that's fine. All this stuff, but, but there's no other time that fills a whole season. So much so that y'all understand October 31st, and I understand it's a marketing thing, October 31st was not really Halloween, it was the first day of Christmas for most people. Y'all know that, right? The stores immediately changed. Boom! They went from jack-o'-lanterns and worshiping the devil to boom! It's all about Santa Claus, right? All about the elves and reindeer and all that other stuff. But Christmas is a powerful story When I say story, don't think fictional story. But if Christmas is a powerful story of how God gave the greatest gift of his son for salvation of sinful people. I mean, that's Jesus' name, isn't it? His name's Jesus, and uh, that angel told Joseph, we'll get there uh, in another message, but told Joseph that he shall save his people from their sins. What a story that is, the greatest story that's ever been told. As God tells this story, he uses characters that bring his story to life for us. I thought about this. I read about this a long time ago. I don't remember where I read it. I, saw, I found it again as I was preparing this message. But I don't remember where I first read this. But I read about a young boy. And he sat down at the kitchen table to write a letter to God about Christmas and what Christmas present he wanted. And he started the story, he started the letter off like this. "I've been good for six months now." He began. He paused and thought about that for a second. He said, "Well, he crossed out six months, and he put three months in the place. He thought about that for a minute. He shook his head. He, he marked out three months, and he wrote two weeks. Finally, he just thought, you know what? He just put his pencil down, he walked over to the living room, he looked at the coffee table, and they had that wooden nativity set on the coffee table. He picked up the figurine of Mary, he walked back to the kitchen, sat down at the table, sat down, got his pencil out, and he said this, Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again. (laughs) And we laugh at that story, we laugh because that boy we know his manipulation is not really going to go far, right? We, we, we know it's an empty threat. Uh, I mean, that little small figurine of Mary uh, obviously is not, uh, is not the real Mary. It's not really Jesus' mama, and it's just a figurine. But watch this. If we're not careful, we are prone to look at the players of the Christmas stories as just a set of figurines, if we're not careful, we are, we, are, we, will, we are prone to look at these characters around the cradle is what I had, had in my heart. The characters around the cradle, the characters around this Christmas cradle. And we'll just look at them as a part of the nativity set. Just part of the decorations. Just part of this, this maybe, maybe to us even almost just the magic of Christmas. Today, tonight, we're going to talk, or we're going to start a short series on these characters around the Christmas cradle. And I'm not talking about Santa Claus, though I do have a message on him. I'll be glad to share with you. I'm not talking about elves or reindeers, snowmen, or all the fictional characters of this holiday the world has created. But I'm talking about these biblical, historical, real characters associated with our Savior's birth. And in this series, in these next couple of weeks, I want to look at these people and engage with them. And as we read about them and we listen to what's going on, we're going to see them listen and obey God's plan for their life. As I have prayed over this, it is amazing to me how, how that as I prayed over these, these, these sermons, these messages, it's amazing to me that we're right on the end of, of missions conference and here we see some characters around the Christmas story that nobody normally associates with missions or with doing anything for God. But we're going to see some people, some characters around the Christmas cradle who listen to God's will and obey God's will, even when it seems impossible, even when it seems difficult. And we're going to find in these few messages how obedience to God's will for your life will rule the day and those impossibilities become a reality. So tonight we're going to look in Luke 1 here in just a moment. Now, just to give you some literary uh, education, y'all ready for the math teacher to teach literature? The protagonist is the main character of the story. The protagonist is the person that the story is written about. And listen, the protagonist of the Christmas story is none other than Jesus Christ. Amen. Matter of fact, he's the protagonist of the whole Bible. Matter of fact, he is the protagonist of all of history. Matter of fact, that's how we name time, isn't it? A.D., B.C., before who? Christ. A.D., the year of the Lord. We measure time by him. He is the protagonist of history. And so everything, the whole Bible, everything's about Jesus. We're not going to start with him tonight. The protagonist is the main character. But the the Deuteragonist, I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's like Deuteronomy. But is the second most important character in the story. I think you would agree with me. Maybe not. Maybe you've got somebody else. But I think you would agree with me that the second most important character in the story of Christmas is Mary. Mary. One day, and that's what we're about to pick up reading in just a minute. One day, God interrupts Mary's life with a powerful message uh, that's got a plan, and this plan was determined uh, in eternity past, in the foreknowledge of God, and now God's about to put it in reality, and it's about to shake things up for Mary, if I could say it like that. So let's pick up reading in Luke chapter number 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, "...named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women." And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. We're going to pause there. We're going to pick up reading here in just a minute. But here we find the prompting of a divine plan. The prompting of a divine plan. In Luke's gospel, we find where a powerful discussion between Mary and Gabriel At this precise moment of time, God sends Gabriel to to this unpopular city, Nazareth. Y'all know that Nazareth was not the the hot spot to be, right? Y'all remember later on in the story when... uh, when, when they find, uh, they, they start going after, you know, the, the early disciples start going after their friends, and they go after a man named Philip, and they say, Philip, come see, we found the Messiah. And they say, where are It's Jesus of Nazareth. And he, and he asks this question, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Listen, that was the armpit of, of that area, right? I, and so you can think about whatever part of this area would be, whatever part of Gordon County is the armpit of Gordon County. But that's what they thought about Nazareth. Nazareth was a rough place to be, unpopular city. Not only goes to unpopular city, he goes to a young girl. This young girl, Mary, was likely between the ages of 12, maybe 14, maybe as old as 16 years old, a young lady. Of course, we look at that way young now, but uh, kids were raised a lot different back then. My grand, a lot of some, several of my grandmothers were 14, 15-year-old when they was getting married and starting their family. And some of y'all would have been too. And so the kids was raised a lot different even back 2,000 years ago. But nonetheless, that's still young. And an angel shows up to her. And the Bible says that not only is she in Nazareth, in some popular city, not only is she young, but she's a virgin. We're going to look at that here in just a minute in more detail. Because that detail is overlooked by a lot of people. Now, a lot of modernists and a lot of liberals take that out of their Bible. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to defend the Bible here in just a moment. And let's go, so let's do that right now. Isaiah chapter number 7. Go, go back in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter number 7. And Isaiah chapter number 7. Isaiah chapter number 7, this is almost a thousand years, not quite, but almost a thousand years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah prophesied this in verse number 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Now, wait a minute, pause. A sign means means something that's not normal. Now, I didn't need a Greek or a Hebrew lexicon to figure that out, y'all. I didn't have to read a commentary to figure that out. You can read that right there and understand that a sign is something that's not in the normal. Is that right? All right, so look. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, modernists and liberals will put erase virgin there. And you know what they'll put there? Young lady. Now, watch this. This is going to blow your mind. Don't get mad at me. But the word for virgin right there could be young lady. What I mean by that is it is referring to a young lady who is a virgin. So as far as if we just take the word outside of that verse, just all by itself, you could translate it young lady. and You wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be exact, but you wouldn't be wrong. Why does it matter though? That it, what is the difference in a young lady and virgin in this context? Because doesn't context matter in your Bible? All right. Would it be out of the norm for a young lady to have a baby? Uh, no, that's how we all got here, right? Unless some of y'all's mamas was real old when she had y'all. Most mamas are young when they have babies, Right? Some of you older ladies say that's why that's what y'all tell us all the time. You older folks tell us that's why the young people have babies. <laughs> right? Some of y'all grandparents and great grandparents y'all say that's why young people supposed to have babies not us. Right? That's normal for young ladies to have babies so it's not abnormal. So if it's going to be a sign it's got to be something out of the ordinary. The sign is behold a virgin shall concede. That's not normal. Matter of fact, science would say that is biologically impossible. There's a virgin going to give birth. Take your Bibles, if you will, to Galatians chapter number four. Galatians chapter four. We're just doing a quick little Bible study. We're going to get back to Luke chapter one here in just a moment. We're looking, we're talking about the story of Mary. And we're talking about, here's what we're preaching on, is is the divine plan in Mary's life. And we're looking now at the prompting of that divine plan. I told you at this, at a specific time, a precise moment in time, Gabriel shows up. Watch this. This is not a random act of God showing up. This is not just Gabriel sitting around saying, you know what? I think I'm going to go scare a little young girl from Nazareth. <laughs> this is not just God saying, oh yeah, I forgot. We need to go handle that business. No, no, no. This is a precise time. This is an exact time. You're in Galatians chapter four. Look at verse number four. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of son. Look at it says in verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, it was the exact right time for God to go and to send his son to the world. So in this precise time, God sends this angel to an unpopular city, Nazareth, to a young girl, probably between 12 and 14, maybe 16 years old, named Mary, who is a virgin. And he tells her what God's plan is for her life. He prompts her with a divine plan. Go back to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read in just a moment. Go back there. We're going to finish the story here in just a minute. Now, when we read in Luke chapter 1, not only we find out she's from Nazareth, she's young, she's a virgin, but we find out in verse number 27 that she is espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, this does not mean, it's not the same thing as our modern engagement. Uh, They would call this a betrothal period. And what the betrothal period was, for one year... Uh, this couple was, uh, was in a covenant together. They didn't live together. They have not physically come together. But they are in a covenant together that after a year's time of proving their desire to be married, that they would finally get to have this wedding ceremony and all that goes along with that. And in that year's time, that young man is preparing a home for his soon coming bride, he is. Oh, there's a picture there, Amen. Because uh, we've got a we've got a bridegroom, and he's gone away in the betrothal, betrothal period, and he is preparing a place for his bride. Hallelujah, glory to God. That don't cost you no extra, y'all. If y'all ain't getting that, Jesus is preparing a place for us right now. Hallelujah, and his soon coming bride is going to inherit that place. Well, here's here's in that betrothal period, that's what's happening. And Joseph is is, is handling the business of taking, making sure there's a home. They're not living in the basement, right? They ain't living in the extra bedroom. They're not sharing the home with mom and daddy. They get in their own place, and Joseph is preparing that place. And so, and, and here's the thing, the betrothal period was a legal binding covenant. Now, engagements are not... In our society, engagements are not legal law. You can break engagement, get engaged, don't get engaged, all that kind of stuff, and nobody gets involved legally. But legal, legal marriage—it uh, was a legal. Uh, it was a. Uh, I'm sorry, the betrothal was a legal, a legal covenant, but again, I hadn't had the ceremony or consummated that marriage with the physical relationship. And so that's where we're at in Mary's life. She's planning to be married, but she ain't married yet. And Gabriel shows up. Not only is it during that time, it's also during the time where Mary has an older cousin, a well, well, a good bit older cousin named Elizabeth, who is now six months expecting with who we know as John the Baptist, which is a miracle in itself, and you read that at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. Now, I want you to understand this. I want to interject right here. That what I'm talking about here is that God is prompting his plan in Mary's life. You know, a lot of times that we want to know God's plan for our lives, and we pray about it, and we study God's word about it, and sometimes, y'all, y'all don't, don't, don't hang me out here, sometimes, this seems confusing, and sometimes God's will for our life, sometimes it just don't feel like it's as clear as some people make it out to be. I mean, I've had somebody recently tell me they was 100% perfect peace of God about some things. It's amazing. Two weeks later, they were 100% a perfect peace of God about something totally different. It wasn't long. They were 100%. I'm going to tell you what. We all stopped lying there's been very few times in my life I've been 100% perfect peace of God, 100% will of God is on this thing. I mean, I will say this. A lot more in my life since we started street preaching. A lot more in my life when I go up to somebody and I say, hey, how can I tell you the gospel? That's 100% perfect will of God right there. I'll tell you, sometimes the will of God doesn't seem that clear. Sometimes it seems confusing. Confusing. You know, I don't. I don't guess Mary had been praying that she would be the one to bring Jesus into the world. I don't know. I just don't imagine that she was saying, oh, God, let me be the one to bring the Messiah. She might have been. Listen, they believed the prophecy of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. What do I mean by that? Those Jewish women, they were looking for one of their seed. And, and, and many of them didn't understand about that whole virgin birth thing. Even though it was, it was prophesied in Isaiah, they didn't understand all that stuff. But they knew God was going to send a man-child through a woman that was going to finally break the bonds of Satan in their lives. And so she might have been praying for it, I don't know. But all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up, and Gabriel is giving giving Mary God's plan. And he says, uh, he identifies himself. And, he, and, he, and when he identifies himself, uh, he, uh, he's going to address her in a way that's pretty amazing. Look what he says. He says, uh, verse number 28, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Bless art thou among women. And I just need to point something out here. Notice it says among women and not above women. She's a very spiritual character in this story, uh, but she's not above women. She has no saving value. You're not going to pray to Mary and get no prayers answered. Uh, The Catholic Church will put Mary on one side of the cross and say that she's got some kind of redeeming quality. You're not going to be redeemed by Mary. You can pray all the Hail Marys you want to pray and do all that crazy business, but ain't nothing going to happen because she just has no, no redeeming. She is just a woman. She is blessed. She is favored and blessed among women. But notice what it says. Verse number 30, and the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Why? Why Why'd she find favor with God? You ain't going to find it. Isn't that amazing? God chooses the woman that he's going to use as a vessel to get his son here, and we don't know none of her backstory. And when we do find out her backstory, all we find out, well, she's got a cousin named Elizabeth. And then we find out we find out her bloodline all the way back to Adam, but that's all we find. We don't know nothing about her life. You think it's bad now? How much people worship her? Don't you think it'd be worse if they knew all her backstory? God doesn't tell us why. Here's why: God's grace ain't got nothing to do with you deserving it. God's favor. You don't deserve God's favor. Mary didn't deserve God's favor. It was the grace of God that showed up in that room that day. So God reveals this plan. And, and look what the plan is. Look what he says. Verse number 31. Look verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus he shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. and He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. Watch what Mary says. And this is the great question. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be Seeing I know not a man. Now It doesn't mean she ain't never met a man before. It means she has never physically been with a man to have a baby. She's never she's never consummated the marriage with Joseph. She's saying this, How can this be? Then, watch this, She's saying, this is impossible. Sometimes God reveals His plan in our lives. And, and we think this is impossible. Watch this, when God's will is made clear in your life and we obey that will, There is nothing that is impossible. Are you listening? Listen, I don't know a whole lot. I ain't the smartest man in the world. I don't know everything about the Bible. But when I read that, it's pretty clear what he meant when he said, you're going to have a baby. And your baby's going to be the son of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Pretty clear what he's going to do, ain't it? Pretty clear he's the son of the highest Lord God. He's going to have a throne of his father David. Especially real clear to a little Jewish girl. They've been waiting for somebody to get the throne of David. Them Romans are ruling it right now. The Romans have been controlling that thing. And even the Romans will put in They'll call somebody like Herod the king of the Jews and he's an imposter. They've been looking for somebody like this. She understood clearly what the will of God was. But watch this. It didn't make it seem more possible. Just because he understood what it meant. Well, that, I understand what you're saying, but that can't happen. You know, I just wonder. I don't know. I, I don't think so at all. Mary was so much more sanctified than I am, and so I would just think, hey, I don't know how it works for you angel people, but uh, <laughs> I'm a virgin. <laughs> that don't work like that down here. You know, I don't know what she said if she would have said nothing like that. Here's, the, here's what it is. We see the prompting of a divine plan. Now we see in verse number 35 and on, we see the particulars of the divine plan. He comes to her in this humble town of Nazareth. And and again, I'll just point this out. He comes to her and says, thou art highly favored, the Lord. And I like this, and I go back there, go back there in verse number uh, 28. Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Think about a powerful introduction. The Lord is with thee. And this is such a powerful introduction by Gabriel. Verse number 29 says, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his say." This troubled her. Here's what that means. She's confused. She's wondering about what is he talking about. And and, and this this is what he says. He calms her fears and he tells her fear not. In verse number 30. For thou hast found favor with God. And again, I just want to make point that there's nothing that we know of in her life that warrants that favor. There's nothing she's done to deserve that favor. She is not a perfect human being. She was not a perfect human being. She is simply a recipient of God's grace. And that's how salvation works for all of us. I've already said that. God's grace. Faith by God's grace. This Matter of fact, just what stopped right there as far as divine plans seeming impossible. It seems impossible for us to be saved. It seems impossible for a sinner to have his sin cleansed by the blood of a Jewish carpenter on a cross. Oh, it seems foolish. It seems impossible. But by faith, we believe it, and our salvation is made possible. By faith, by God's grace, and by faith in that grace, that God makes a way for fallen humanity, ravaged by sin, to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. So you think about the amazing grace of God that showed up in your life. Mary, Mary uh, doesn't go on this false humility uh, tour. Listen, she's humble, and we're going to see that in just a minute, but but she says the first question is not, you know, oh, well, I ain't done nothing to deserve this. She knew that, and the angel did too. She said this is impossible. I'll tell you what, you accept the grace of God not because of who you are. I'm telling you, that's the, fault, the pitfall of the American church. You better be careful on Wednesday night. On a Wednesday night, I've got to talk to our church like this. On a Wednesday night, you better be careful watching somebody else fall and thinking, well, the only reason we ain't fell is because we live so holy. Very careful of seeing somebody else make some kind of blunder in their life and say, well, if they just do it like we do it, they wouldn't have." You better be careful of that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, people fall all the time. It's lot, and as Brother Blue taught me this, and I believe it with all my heart, I've, I'm sold into it. I bought stock in this. There's greater men than I have. I am but have failed. Greater people than I haven't failed. God help me, we ain't got it figured out. And uh, and so so nothing in Mary's life warranted God's favor. But But, but you think about it. How many times has God's Has God showed up to you with his plan for you? Maybe not for your whole life, but maybe for that day. And I'm going to say this, sometimes that's where we mess up, ain't it? We're looking for God's plan for the whole life. But the Bible says in Psalm 119, we pledge it every Sunday. We pledge it every Sunday before Sunday school. It's a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That means it's lighting up the path I'm on right now. It's like the headlights on your car when you turn them on here. mine's the, My house is the only one. My, my car is the only one that has the ability to shine headlights all the way home from the parking lot. None of y'all can. The, from, the, from the second closest person that lives here to the one that lives the furthest away, your headlights, when you turn them on in the parking lot, ain't showing you all the way home. They're just showing the, the, the light, it's being a light to your path. That's the will of God sometimes. Now, sometimes it gives the whole picture. But watch this. What what happens right here in Mary's life? Does does he give the whole picture to her? No, right now you're going to conceive this child. She don't he don't tell her about the crucifixion. He don't tell her about losing him at when he's 12 years old on the way home from Passover. He don't tell them about all the other stuff that's going to happen in their life. He don't give them the big picture. It's just right now, this is what's happening. And how many times has God's plan showed up to our life? God shows up where we're at in a least expected place at a least expected time. And it ain't neon signs, but sometimes it's a calm quietness. I've stopped asking the question, wonder why God ain't calling young people to the uh, mission field or why is God not calling uh, young men to preach no more it ain't that it's why ain't people listening to God's call why are people not putting an ear to the call of God in their life God and listen if you want to know God's will for your life it may seem confusing at first but he will give you clarity So who you talk to everybody's listening you ain't dead yet Nobody's got got your testimony sealed yet. You're not in the graveyard. Everybody's got something to do. And so so Gabriel gives some clarity to Mary about God's plan to save the world. He gives the details of the plan. She's going to conceive. She's going to bring forth a son. I heard somebody call this a divine ultrasound. A divine ultrasound. That's what he says. Verse number uh, 31 behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb bring forth a son what about that she gets to find some of, some of these women nowadays they they can find out early and earlier about their gender they have big gender reveal parties what about this the day Mary found out she's expecting she knew it's a son she didn't have to get her blood drawn she didn't have to go get a 2d 3d one and 4d them are weird anyway them 4-D are creepy. I told my wife, I'm not paying for that. They look like a bunch of alien botched up something. I don't want to see the baby like that. That'd scar me. I'd have nightmares probably, 4-D. <laughs> anyway, they don't have, she didn't have no big gender reveal party. What about that? A divine ultrasound. And, the, and then and not, not only that, she didn't have to go buy a baby name book. Man, that's, that's pretty nice right there. We, we went through a lot of uh, heartache, or not heartache, but just kind of stress. Me and my wife, before we even got married, we knew if we had two girls, we had names picked out for them girls. We could not settle in on a boy's name. And guess what God did, just to be funny? The first one we had was a boy. We, we already knew it was a boy. And we still didn't know what we was going to name him. And uh, we was walking around the neighborhood one day. We was still living on the other side of the county. And we was walking around there. I so said, what about Nolan? And we ended up coming up with Nolan's name and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? And, of course, I know some, they wait in the hospital a long time before they get names and stuff like that. But today she finds out she's expecting, she finds out it's a son, and she got a name. Well, that, that's easy, ain't it? she start getting all the monogram stuff. she start decorating the nursery. She ain't got to wait. Right. Divine ultrasound. Now, you, you imagine this. If she wasn't sitting down before Gabriel got there, you better believe she is now. She, she's she's got to be. And, and listen. She's still uncertain how all this is going to work. She's still not sure how this is going to come to pass. And again, she asked Gabriel that question, how is this even possible? I'm a virgin. And he tells her she's the Holy Ghost. Verse 31, the Holy Ghost uh, verse not 31, 35, I'm sorry. 35 says, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. He clarifies how this is going to happen. And here's what he does. When he clarifies how it's going to happen, he sets Jesus apart from any other human, born, uh, human being ever born to that, up to that point and any human being is going to be born after that. See this is a divine conception. Now he's going to be born like every human baby's ever been born as far as birth through the mother canal but he, and he's, but he is going he was conceived like nobody has ever been conceived before and watch this he's going to live like nobody's ever lived before. he's going to live as perfection as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's a whole lot packed in all that. Uh, But if we're not careful, we'll let that information just pass on through. If we're not careful, we'll let that information just go on because we're so familiar with this story. And again, we're just thinking about it being a little nativity scene, a little figurine. There's power that comes from this description. It's amazing to me, earlier in the book of Luke, Gabriel has already told Zechariah, which is John the Baptist's daddy, that he was, that Gabriel was, he stood in the presence of God and sent to speak to Zechariah. He didn't say that here to, to, to Mary, but the truth is still there. He is standing in the presence of God, meaning this, he is giving directly what God wanted him to give to Mary. He is confirming who he is and whose he is. And he is there to communicate the will of God for her life. And so he understands that. Now watch this. He is, this he's, he's, he's making this clear to her. This is, he's going to be the son of God. And he's making it clear. This is not Gabriel's message. This is God's message. This is not Gabriel's interpretation of the message. This is the message. So, so we see the prompting of the divine plan. We see the, par- we see the particulars of the divine plan. And the last thing I'm done, I see the participation in the divine plan. Here Luke's gospel brings this thing to a close. Verse 36. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. So here we see the close of the conversation. This is impossible. There's no way this plan can take place. A little virgin girl, having a baby, a little girl from Nazareth having the son of God. She's not. She don't live in a palace. Yeah, she's of the lineage of David, but she's so far down the line, nobody even really thinks about that. They don't run around saying, hey, there's the granddaughter of David. You know how many granddaughters she's got by that point in time, 14 generations down the road? They don't look at her like that. Nobody's expecting this little girl. Nobody's expecting this town to have somebody. Now, y'all understand she's from Nazareth. Y'all know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but where did he get raised at? Back in Nazareth. Why? That's where she was from. That's where Joseph and Mary was from. Of course, we'll get to that later, but, but here's the thing. Here, we see an impossibility become reality in Mary's eyes. Here's why. Because nothing's impossible when God's working. She understands what's supposed to be done. Again, she ain't got the whole big picture, but she's got the picture for right then right now. She understands the role she's got to play in the plan. Could God have brought his son some other way? Sure he could. She submits herself to the plan of God. And she says, okay, this is the role I've got to play, and so I'm going to play it. And here's what she does. She identifies herself as the servant of God. Notice what she says in verse number 38. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She says, I'm just a servant of God. Here's what she's doing. She said, I'm going to commit myself to fulfill your plan exactly how you want me to fulfill it in my life. I'm going to do the will of God. As soon as she comes to that conclusion, she is going to obey the command of God, the angel departs. And nine months from that moment, Mary is, going to, Mary is going to give birth to the Messiah, the Savior, her Messiah, her Savior. Sometimes we wait around for God to show up. I've been there where I've been in my prayer closet and I've just, God, show up, God, show up. Or wait around in a service and thinking, man, I'm looking for something boom, to happen, waiting for God to show up. But how many times has God showed up in our lives and we failed to see it? Because we was looking for the neon signs, we was looking for the, listening for the thunder, looking for the lightning. Because it wasn't that dramatic revelation that we hear so much about. As far as I can understand, it looks like Mary's just headed to bed one night. She's getting ready for bed. Maybe she's saying her nighttime prayers. Allow I lay me down to sleep. Boom, Gabriel shows up. I don't think she was in a camp meeting. I don't think she was in a big service somewhere. Just in a still, small, quiet little place, God showed up. Maybe, maybe it's not that we failed to see it because it wasn't dramatic. Maybe we failed to see it because what was asked out of us seemed really impossible. Maybe what was asked out of us seems like, oh, there ain't no way I can do that. I don't know. I want you to understand something tonight. God's will is not always in a dramatic fashion. And God's will, God's will doesn't always make sense at first. I'll tell you what'll happen. If you just simply obey, God will transform your life. I'm a standing testimony of that. But I'm telling you, it took a lot to get me in front of people to do anything. And uh, I mean, I'd hide in the back and be I I was the silent class clown. Like I'd do crazy stuff, but if the teacher was looking or a big crowd was looking, but I, I'd do it all behind the scenes to get everybody else stirred up about it. I always got caught, but but man, to get up in front of somebody to talk, to get up in front of somebody and to teach what what anything said, much less the Bible. I know I ain't the best I know there's a lot of people do a whole lot better than I can but I'm telling you when I just said alright Lord yes 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 I'll do whatever you want I don't know what it all means I don't know where I it's going to take me but I'll do it Hey, some of you in here that just simple obedience to the command of God the plan of God he transformed your life and watch this as he transformed your life I don't say it's become easy but it becomes easier to discern the will of God As you start walking in the the known will of God for your life, it becomes easier to see the next step. All right, Lord, I don't know what you want way down the road, but right now, this is what you want in my life, so I'm just going to follow that. And then all of a sudden, the next step, and the next step is easier, easier not easy, but easier to discern the will of God. Mary's story comes from from a Uh, From somebody Of course Gabriel Standing in the presence of God And you may You may be looking for that You may be looking for that Where somebody I need somebody standing In the presence of God Hey watch this You got a Bible You got God's word He don't need to send an angel to you You've got his word Maybe God's showing you exactly what he wants you to do and in your mind you think it's impossible and you keep on looking. That's what I was doing. Between 14 and 16 year old, I wasn't running from God. I was just trying to find something else for God I can do. At 14, I knew God wanted me to preach, but I was like, all right, well, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to do that. Not trying to run from God. I didn't try to get out of church. I thought, well, I'll do this, 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 and that's all good stuff. It was a good day in my life. When I said, all right, Lord, I'm just going to do what you said to do. So tonight, we're looking at, the we're talking about a divine plan. The participation in the divine plan, here it is, is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'll go. I'll be your servant. I'll be, in her case, I'll be your handmaid for you ladies. I'll, I'll, I'll be your handmaid. You ladies saying, yes, Lord, I'll be your handmaid. Ben, we'll be your bondservant. We'll be that. We'll do what you want. And so I'm going to challenge you tonight, as we're looking at these characters around the Christmas cradle, Looking at Mary, and as you pray and ask the Lord to show you his will, if you maybe don't know, maybe you know it, and you read his word, ask God to help you be sensitive to his leading in your life. Not to look at the difficult task or the impossibility, but just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Because just like Gabriel said, I can announce to you that with God, nothing shall be impossible with God. When God's will is made clear in your life and you obey that will, there's nothing that's impossible. Nothing. So tonight we watch a young lady surrender herself to the will of God, the divine plan of God. And Tonight I ask a church of young and old alike to yield yourself to the plan of God, the divine plan. He's prompting you He's giving you the particulars maybe. Some of you he has. He just needs participation. Some of you think, well, I don't have no abilities. You got availability. That's a good ability to have is availability. I am thine, O Lord. I'll just give my heart to you. And uh, maybe you want to pray and say, Lord, would you help me be sensitive to your will? Would you help me be sensitive to the calling on my life, whatever that might mean? wherever that might mean. Say, Lord, I'll be your servant. I'll be your handmaid. I'll be your bondservant.